Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Peter Nussbaum of CSG Law and co-founder of Tamerlane Animal Sanctuary in Montague, New Jersey, right near the southern border of New York State. CSG is a full-service law firm, but Peter specializes in trademark, copyright, internet technology matters. His clients include entertainment companies, musical artists, publishing and educational companies, cannabis companies, food, beverage, and hospitality, among many others. Interestingly, about six years ago, Peter and his wife co-founded Tamerlane Sanctuary and Animal Preserve to create a paradise for neglected and abused farm animals and have been caring for animals here and providing humane education ever since. Now the farm is over 336 acres of pristine preserved farmland and they're creating a haven for animals for generations to come. So Peter, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. I really am excited to, to have you on and ask you some questions and, and talk about your work. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, so first things first, why, why do you focus on trademark law? What about it appeals to you? Uh, well, after 30 years of doing it, I have no other choice. It's all that I know at this point. But uh, seriously, I, I, it sounds geeky and nerdy, but I was passionate about trademark law even before I became a lawyer. In law school, it just uh, struck a chord with me. Um, brands, logos, designs, I sort of grew up around that. That was the business that my father was in growing up. And uh, so I, I was, I was intrigued by it, and I liked the idea of practicing in an area of law where I could um, help people uh, advertise, market, promote their products. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that's it. And I'm glad I made that decision 30 years ago to go in that direction. I've never looked back, and. Uh, you know, I consider myself one of the lucky lawyers. Wow, the wind, the wind just picked up out here. Sorry about that. Fine. Um, I consider myself to be one of those lucky lawyers that really does practice in an area that they are passionate about. And after all these years, um, I'm still passionate about it. And uh, the subject matter of what we do is real interesting. We're, we're fortunate to have a really interesting, uh, fun client base. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been good. And I know, you know, with the pandemic and, and the lockdown, things have remained pretty interesting in the industry. Is that right? Yeah, you know, we've been surprisingly busy. Uh, the two biggest areas that I represent or the, the two biggest industries that I represent are musical artists who obviously have not been touring for the past seven months. Right. And we also have a lot of hospitality clients and they've been essentially at a standstill, if not completely shut down. And so my first reaction when I figured out how bad this was gonna be for the world was, wow, we're gonna have nothing to do. And the exact opposite has been true. All of our clients have been keeping us very busy. I think a lot of that stems from the fact that people have been pivoting and figuring out what the next move is right. in this new, this new, uh, science sci-fi movie world that we're living in and so there's been no shortage of work thankfully awesome okay um so i know law is a little bit different than you being on a farm literally and figuratively can you go into the origins or the inspiration for you creating what you currently have now with tamerlane yeah sure um 
So my wife and I both grew up in New York City, her in Manhattan, me in Queens, and both of us in apartments. The thought of us being farmers or operating a farm was so foreign. Um, about 20 years ago, we got a place up here in Montague, New Jersey, which really truly is uh, rural farm country. You know, we're only an hour and a half from New York City, but we're as far removed as, from New York City as you could possibly be. Um, 20 years ago, we came up here because my father at that point was in a nursing home not too far from here, and we were coming up from the city every weekend to visit him. And my wife really wanted to get out of the city and at least get a weekend place. And she convinced me that it would be a good idea to get a little property up here uh, so that we could spend more time with my father and not have to schlep back and forth, right. um, you know, in, in one day. And so I begrudgingly left the city to, to get this place. And it was a weekend place, very much was uh, Friday to Sunday, and we spent our week in the city. And uh, gradually we grew more and more into being out here and less and less into being in the city, especially my wife. And we became really staunch animal, animal advocates, not right when we moved here. I mean, we always loved animals. We always supported animal charities. Um, we always went out of our way to make sure that whatever animal products we were uh, consuming or using that we were making as light of an impact as we possibly could. But then right around 2009, uh, we became vegan and we stopped using animal products. We stopped eating animal products and uh, we became even stauncher advocates for animals. Uh, still, we had no plan on turning our life upside down and turning ourselves into the founders of a farm animal sanctuary. But in 2013, Gabrielle, my wife, convinced me that it would be a good idea to adopt a couple of roosters. And we did. And uh, within a matter of days, we were so smitten with these two boys that, you know, our lives really changed. And, and thankfully, because the last six years have been the most rewarding, challenging, but the most rewarding years of our lives, uh, the two roosters quickly became a part of the family. And if if someone had asked me before we adopted these two boys, Yuri and Jupiter, uh, whether there was a difference between our dogs and cats and chickens, the correct answer as a vegan is to say, no, absolutely not. There's no difference. Right. Uh, chickens are just as sentient as dogs and cats. There's no difference between them. And once I had these, cat, uh, th these, these chickens, these two roosters living at our smaller farm, our original farm, um, I was able to answer that question. For the first time, I, I actually realized that it was absolutely true. And just to give you an example, within a week of their arrival, they were taking all of their meals, not in their coop, not in their yard, but rather in our kitchen. They would line up for breakfast with our two dogs. We'd have four dog bowls down uh, for the two dogs and the two chickens. After breakfast, they would jump up on our laps, jump up on the couch, uh, hop into the dog beds with the dogs and they were part of the family and we made such a strong and profound uh, it was almost like an awakening that these chickens really are and and these chickens you know chickens in general are the most abused and discarded farm animal once we made the connection that they were so loving and incredible just like our dogs 
we decided that we had this, you know, I say small, but it was a 40 acre farm. It's pretty big, yeah. much bigger than our apartments in New York city. That's for sure. Uh, and we said, you know what, let's share this with people. Let's, um, let's, let's rescue a few more. Let's become a small sanctuary and let other people make this connection the way that we have. And it just grew from there to the point where, um, 2013 two roosters turned into over 200 rescued farm animals by 2017 and at that point we had essentially outgrown or at least filled up our original farm and then the property that i'm sitting at now uh this 336 acre property became available right up over the hill from our original farm and my wife convinced me that it would be a good idea for us to try to get it which made no sense to me at the time because it's a historic farm that was part of the Underground Railroad. The house on the farm was built in 1774. Yeah. It's only had two owners prior to us. And I knew how little money we had in the bank because running a farm animal sanctuary is incredibly expensive. And we've always been the biggest um, contributor to the sanctuary. So for us, it's a labor of love. It's a passion play. Um, we've never taken a dime out of the nonprofit, nor do we ever plan to. Uh, but I knew how expensive it was to operate a 40-acre farm with some employees and 200 animals. And the thought of taking this on was overwhelming, to say the least. Um, and I, I figured that they would charge us more than the $18 that I believed we had in the bank at the, at the moment that, that Gabrielle said we should try to get this. Yeah. And uh, she was steadfast. She was going to get this property, and she reached out to a foundation, uh, put together all sorts of reports. and. Uh, and uh, proposals as to why they should help us. Right. This is a foundation that helps uh, animal rights nonprofits. And sure enough, they came through in a big way. We were able to acquire the property beginning of 2018. And for the last two years, we've been transitioning from the original farm, which again is just over the hill, to this farm. We're finally fully trans transitioned all the animals here. We've rescued a bunch more animals and as I said before, uh, this is really, uh, I, I, I found my calling, you know, I, I'll never be able to give up trademark law because, um, that's a passion as well, but importantly, it pays the bills. And I jokingly tell people that I'll be able to retire when I'm about 200 at the rate that we're going with this farm. But, um, I'm, I've, I've never been happier. I've never felt more fulfilled. Awesome. So who are your biggest donors or who are you looking to have donate either money or time or feed? What, what are your needs for the farm? Yes, <laughs> all of the above. I mean, we have, um, we have some foundations that help us. We have some other animal uh, rescue nonprofits that help us, but most of it is private donors, uh, private supporters, and support comes in so many ways. We have amazing volunteers who come up on a regular basis and help us uh, take care of the property and the animals. Um, we also have, I, I believe, uh, presently we have 10 employees who, you know, this is, they, they earn a living working at the farm, unlike my wife and I, and we're very lucky to have them. We have a great staff who does an incredible job of giving these animals uh, the best life that they can possibly have. And, and that's, that's the animal's sole role here at the farm. You know, it, I, I, talk to a lot of people about the farm and usually they know uh, that when it's a sanctuary uh, they know what I'm about to, about to tell you but uh, for your audience I don't know exactly who your audience is so I won't take anything for granted 
the sole job of the animals here is to live their best life. We don't use them for meat or dairy or eggs. Um, they are, in every sense of the word, um, you know, uh, rescue animals who have come to us from situations of terrible uh, neglect, abuse, abandonment, exploitation. And so when they're here, um, we just want them to live their best life. And it's the job of ours and our staff to give them the best life they possibly can. And the only job that they really have, and it's, it's, it's a voluntary job, it's only for those of them that are interested in providing this service. You know, some of them could care less about people, but thankfully, most of them love people and love interaction. And so their only job is to um, act as ambassadors for their various species. And so when people come and visit the farm, our goal and our hope is that they will make the connection that we made with our first two roosters, Yuri and Jupiter, and they will stop seeing these animals uh, strictly as a commodity, which is you know, what most people think of these animals as. And we've had so many experiences where people have come and visited the animals and have said things to us like, wow, I never thought of a pig as anything other than ham or bacon or pork chops. And now that I've met uh, Pecan and Tomo and Albie and Tiny and, you know, Magnus and Roman and all the different pigs at the farm, not only do they see them differently, but people will say to us, you know, I, 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 I visited six months ago I couldn't even think of eating a, a pig again. I couldn't even think of eating pork. It's just, it made such a profound impact. And, you know, our, our, our goal here isn't necessarily to, you know, turn the world vegan. Uh, that, that's not our goal. Our, our goal is, is simply to open up people's eyes, to educate people as to the plight of farmed animals and the horrific impact it has on animals and on the planet and on uh, people's health and you know we're just trying to do our little part here and uh it, it feels really good doing it that's awesome so i actually just recently watched a documentary the name i'm i'm forgetting but they said when you're thinking about meat in terms of pork or bacon you're not considering it as a pig but now on your farm you have names for all of your animals so you can't say you know i'm eating this animal by name or that animal by name because it kind of makes you feel more guilty, right? So I'm not surprised that people are now meeting these wonderful animals by name, which is a, a very nice thing to do, naming your animal, and now they don't want to eat it anymore. So I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that, that, is, that is cool. Um, you know, the names are important, and I think the names help people make the connection, but it's really the personalities that do even more than the names. You know, they, they all have unique personalities, just like dogs and cats and humans. And, um, you know, people meet these, these varied personality animals and, and really connect. We have a pig named Pecan who came to us from Rutgers University in 2016. The reason why he was rescued was because the student at Rutgers in their agricultural college who was charged with raising this pig, you know, part of the ag school at Rutgers, a course that the students take, it's sort of like an animal handling course and each student is assigned a baby pig. And this particular student was assigned Pecan when he was a little piglet. And her job was to feed him and water him and care for him and grow him essentially. And she made the connection that he was no different than her beloved pets. And she would call him and he would come running and jump in her lap. And she was 
horrified when she found out that at the end of the school year, all of the pigs from the program go to auction for slaughter. And she could not bear the thought of pecan. And prior to this, she thought of pigs as a commodity, just like most ag students. She thought of them as bacon and pork, but she made that connection. And uh, it, it resulted in her taking steps necessary to get him here instead of to a slaughterhouse. And people hear that story and meet Pecan, and he's now about a 700-pound pig. He's four years old. It's a big Yorkshire pig, the type that people generally eat. And people can't believe how much personality. Um, you know, you, you walk up to Pecan and scratch his belly, and he just immediately flops all 700 pounds of him onto his side for belly rubs. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, all the pigs, most of the pigs are like that. And so, you know, whether it's the pigs or the chickens or the cows or the goats or the, the sheep or the turkeys or the ducks, no matter the animals, people make those connections. And, and we really focus on animals here. We rescue animals that people generally uh, consider to be uh, food or sources for dairy. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a shame too, right? Where, where people are looking at them as commodities instead of pets or people, not people, but um, companions. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully yeah. this 100 pound pig doesn't plop in your lap. I feel like that would be detrimental to your health. No, I, I tell people when I tell them that story when they're meeting Pecan that she, that Pecan would jump into the young woman's lap. I explained that Pecan was about one one hundredth of the size that he is now. So she, she was safe. If, if he jumped in her lap now, she would be probably no longer with us. Yeah. Yep. So knowing what your day job is at the law firm and your every other time job is at the, the sanctuary, how does your practice and the sanctuary balance one another and how do they work together? How do you make it work? Yeah, great question. So um, I hate to say it because the last six months have been horrific for everyone, you know, us included. Um, you know, we, we've uh, uh, had people that we care a ton about get very sick. We, we know people who have passed. We know many people whose businesses have been destroyed. And so to say that there's anything that positive that's come out of COVID would be, um, you know, a terrible thing to say. However, I will say that um, whereas I usually work in New York City and West Orange, the fact that I've been working remote from the farm has, um, <laughs> it's been incredibly nice. Um, and so, you know, I, I am able just about every day to break away from trademark law and either do a virtual tour at the farm or do a Zoom class we did a ton of uh, interacting with students last semester uh, in the in the spring before the summer. So many uh, schools and teachers were starving for Zoom curriculum for their students. And so we introduced so many kids to the animals here. And we introduced so many people through virtual tours that would have never had the opportunity to visit the farm in, in person to the animals and to our mission and to educate people. So. Um, it's been a nice way to break up the day for me, and uh, so I think it's it's a very rare work day that I'm that I've ever worked you know nine to five or nine to six. My hours are always, unfortunately, longer than that as a, as a trademark lawyer, right. um, or yeah. fortunately, depending upon how you look at it. You know, we're we're busy. That's a good thing. Uh, but basically, my days now. I get up in the morning. I start working as soon as I get up. 
I usually take a couple hour break in the middle of the day and do something at the farm. And most of my role at the farm these days is, you know, humane education and, and introducing people to the animals. And then I go back to work and usually work, you know, unfortunately pretty late into the evening with, with the day job that's during the week. Right. And then on the weekends, I'm going at it pretty hard uh, as, as a sanctuary worker all weekend, doing tours all day. And so, uh, not really answering your question, I'll get back to your question. And, and the answer is, um, it, it has been uh, incredible not having to commute for three hours every day. It's been uh, great having the, um, uh, the, the, the interplay between the two and breaking up the monotony of just staring at a computer screen in my, my you know, bedroom or my living room all day. That's been really nice. Right. And one other added bonus, uh, we have one rooster, one of our elderly roosters, who's one of my favorite uh, best friends on the planet. His name is Dottie. And Dottie uh, came to us from a school hatching project back in 2014, I believe. Um, and he's just a great guy. He's super, super friendly. All he wants is to hang out with people, sit on your lap, fall asleep in your lap. Um, he developed a problem with his balance about six months ago and coincided with the beginning of COVID. So um, I've been spending a lot of time with him. And let's just say that Dottie is most often either sitting on my lap or right next to my lap while I'm on conference calls. And there have been many conference calls with opposing counsel or with clients, you name it, where Dottie likes to let out a cock-a-doodle-doo. And it's a nice way to uh, let people uh, let people know that I'm know what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, so it, it's a great um, intro to the farm for people. Uh, because, you know, it's not always proper to mention to your adversary that your second job is caring for 230 rescued animals. But when Dottie uh, rudely introduces himself, I have no choice but to let them know what we're up to. And, and so that's been fun. That must be super fun on the other yeah. side too for them because it you know it's kind of mundane going through uh, going through law and then seeing a rooster. Yeah, I think so. You know, sometimes trademark law, while it's you know not matrimonial law or, or some other areas that can get more contentious, yeah. Um, yeah. we're known to get pretty heated with our uh, opposing counsel from time to time. And I don't care how much uh, an attorney on the other side doesn't like me when Dottie cock-a-doodle-doos and I tell that opposing attorney what we're up to, they, they lighten up a bit. Yep. I think it's a good tactic. Keep that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so what's, what's your hope for the future of the, the sanctuary? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have all the space and our mission not only includes rescuing animals, but uh, we could never possibly fill up 336 acres with rescued farm animals. We would be doing them a disservice. We'd be doing the planet a disservice because a lot of the property here is wooded. And just as much as we care about these uh, domesticated animals, these farm animals, we care about the wildlife. We care about conservation and preservation. And so my goal here is to uh, grow the rescue component uh, a bunch, but also uh, to grow the conservation and preservation component. Um, financially, our goal is to get to a place where we are no longer the, um, the largest donor. 
um, not because uh, we, we have um, any hard feelings about donating all of our money, but we're not rich people and it's just not sustainable for us to continue to be the largest donor. So the goal would be to get the farm, the sanctuary to a place where our, um, the revenue that comes in covers the operating expense. And again, not so that we can take a salary, we're, we're in the lucky position where uh, we don't have to take a salary. You know, a lot of people who run nonprofits, um, they, they don't, they're not sitting in that enviable position. That's their only job. And I don't, um, I don't begrudge them. I think that's great um, if they can do it. I'm, I'm thankful that we don't have to do that. But if we can get to a place where our expenses are covered and we don't have to continue to put in uh, our money, which we don't have any left of, uh, that, that, would be, that would be like hitting the lottery for us. Right. So that's what we're hoping for. That would be awesome. So this is the question I ask of everybody that I, I speak with. Um, but Peter, what is your mission, whether that's with CSG or the farm? That's up to you how you want to answer. But what's your mission? Yeah, I mean, my, my mission with the farm and, you know, my, my mission, it, it's an interesting question. Can I ask, I, I can answer it. My mission about the nonprofit, my mission with the law practice, my mission in life, I think they're all, uh, you know, somewhat related. Um, you know, we don't have a grandiose idea that we are going to single-handedly change the world. And we know that we're just a small cog in this, you know, huge, um, frenetic, um, uh, strange world that we're currently living in. Uh, but if we can help make a dent, if we can help educate uh, all the people that come into contact with us um, as to the the, the plight of the animals and the planet um, and, uh, you know, doing that in person, you know, we, we have the luxury of being so close to, uh, you know, the, the, the epicenter of the world. A lot of people think New York City being an hour and a half away gives us entree to so many, uh, you know, so many eyes and so many ears and so many hearts. And uh, so if we can, do our part in educating people and helping people make decisions that will make this world a safer and better place, um, not only for animals, but for humans um, and, and for the environment, um, then I feel like I can, uh, I, I can uh, finally get some rest when, when, all this is, when, when all this is over and you know, it comes to an end for all of us. Uh, knowing that I did my part, and I think that uh, that's really um, all that any of us can hope for and uh, and, and strive for. So, that's awesome. I, I guess I guess that's my long-winded answer. No, that's that's a perfect answer. That's super authentic, and thank you for sharing your, Thanks. your story and, and kind of. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Peter, for, for being on. I'll include a bunch of your information for both the law firm and ways to donate to the farm and help you grow your mission and, and help as many animals as you can um, in the best way possible. So thank you so we'll much. Of course. And please, and please come visit. I will. I'll come visit again soon. Yeah, please do. All right. Take care. Bye, Peter. Thank you. Bye. Just a reminder that all the thoughts, opinions, and expressions are exclusive to the person and not representative of any company, brand, or organization.